Yes, Father. I shall become a cast, a podcast, and specifically this podcast, which is called A Cowardly and Superstitious Pod, or A Cowardly Superstitious Pod. Some variation of those words in a specific order will unlock the secret of the title of this podcast, which is about the television show Gotham, and it's hosted by me, Nate. I'm a person, and I have qualities, and I love the show Gotham, and I'm not afraid to admit it. And joining me is my friend, Josh, who's also a person, but he doesn't have any qualities. But he does hate the television show Gotham. What a paradox. Say hello to the five people, Josh. All right. I am excited for this week. Uh, I really dug into the research. Uh, for our podcast episode of Ghost Ham, uh, we're going to talk about the haunted ham house in Britain, one of the most haunted houses in the world, uh, haunted by the ghost of the Duchess of Lauderdale, Elizabeth. And this is really interesting. Uh, they actually made a movie about it, kind of, uh, with the title Woman in Black. Um, oh, not so the Haunting of Ham House? <laughs> <laughs> they should have done that, admittedly. Uh, but no, where uh, Harry Potter uh, confronts an old woman. Um, it's pretty interesting. Um, have you seen that movie? I have not. It's, I've heard it was bad. I thought it was okay. But anyway, back to Ham House, because that's what this podcast is about. Yep, it's about a house of ham. <laughs> Uh, no, it's not. It's oh. about the television show Gotham, like I said in the introduction to this podcast, where I said all that insane shit, because I didn't have an intro to th- thought of at the time. I feel like I've stopped zoning out at the beginning of each podcast. Yeah, it's like you go into a fugue state while I say a bunch of nonsense into the microphone really fast. And that's our show. And that's the show. <laughs> that basically is the whole show, if you think about it. Uh, this is, this is an episode of our show and it is about an episode of a TV show and that episode is episode 6 of season 1 of Gotham and it's called The Spirits of the Goat this is a good one this isn't quite a balloon man nothing really is I don't know if we'll ever reach the heights literally and figuratively of the balloon man again but I think this one gets pretty close I think the show might be at its best when it's dealing with serial killers I could be wrong Uh, well I don't know about that uh, because you've seen more of it than I have. But at this point, I think uh, this episode is quite interesting. Uh, it's a weird choice like to have as like a kind of vigilante murderer, right, sort so, of. So let me, let me do a little synopsis. This one, lighter on the subplots than the previous episode, I'd say. Because mm-hmm. we don't really get any of uh, Mooney and Falcone and... Uh, or even really Maroni or or the girl that's honeypotting Falcone. Uh, what we do get is Harvey and Bullock investigating what originally seems to be a copycat killer of a serial killer that Bullock caught in his younger days. Uh, it turns out to be the work of an evil psychiatrist who is essentially brainwashing her patients into becoming this serial killer to kill the rich people in Gotham to make some kind of statement about class and class warfare. And also, while this is happening, we get some of the Penguin visiting his mom. Mm-hmm. And then Very weird we get more stuff with uh, Montoya trying to catch Gordon and some of the conflict between Montoya and Barbara and Barbara and Gordon. And that all culminates in Gordon getting arrested for the murder of Oswald Cobblepot. And then, Kabuput. And then our boy, the Penguin, shows up at GCPD to absolve his boy, Jim Gordon, of his murder. Which is nuts. It is nuts. This is what I was talking about where the show moves so fast. 
It feels that feels like a season ender for yeah. Joe. This is yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But we're, we're in episode freaking six. Yeah. It goes fast. There's a lot of show in this first season of Gotham. Ugh. So let's uh let's talk about uh the goat. Yeah, the goat is weird. I think Very it's weird. kind of interesting. If you go back to the stuff that I was talking about in previous episodes about like there's something wrong with Gotham and it creates these figures to sort of have these shadow plays. Then it, the goat is an interesting figure because it's very deliberately constructed by a woman. But she, if you imagine that she is under the influence of Gotham, then this is a situation where the city creates basically a full-on supervillain, a, a masked, uh, you know, killer, well before Batman ever exists. Yes, and uh, that's really interesting. The, the show kind of um, is heavy on um, kind of saying that Gotham created this, that Gotham wanted it. Uh, that the city needs something else, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they have this murderer who goes out to punish the rich by killing their firstborn children. Yeah, it's very uh, biblical. Yeah. Uh, which is a neat concept. Uh, it's The goat is an interesting choice as a character. At one point, Bruce Wayne says, it's weird that they chose an ungulate. The thing <laughs> is, like, Gotham means, like, goat. Corral or some shit, like that's where the name comes from. So I get I, I guess I understand why they have the goat, as it's like Avatar. But yeah, it is weird that the goat is like hunting people. Yeah, uh, but it all ties back to a case that uh, Bullock took on ten years ago, where he was the hotshot young cop, but also looked the same. He looks exactly <laughs> the same. <laughs> <laughs> like normally in shows, they like change the hairstyle or do at least something to make him look younger. But no, he's the same. It makes it seem like it happened like two weeks ago. And he has this partner, Dix. Dix. They say Dix a lot. Also, there's a part where he says, "This is where Dix fell down." <laughs> just, just real bad. <laughs> Dix, who they very clearly wanted to be Judd Hirsch, but isn't. Yeah, uh, I mean he's okay, but it's like clearly this is the mentor for Bullock, where he got his lackadaisical personality from. Because this guy's all like, "We need to call for backup. We're not going to go in there. The girl's already dead." His motto is literally "No heroes in Gotham," uh, which again is like so in your face. Yeah, it's interesting. This guy is very much so. The implication that we get in this is that. Bullock and Dix had a relationship that was pretty much exactly the same as Bullock and Gordon have now. Just switch roles. Yeah, with the roles reversed, where where Bullock was... Like, there's a point where Dix describes Bullock... How, it describes his understanding of Bullock to Gordon, and it sounds like somebody describing Gordon. And Gordon's just really confused because he basically calls Bullock a white knight. Yeah. And, like, the guy who's gonna say... He's like, God. Bullock's white? <laughs> And that's where we find out that Gordon is blind. <laughs> Colorblind. He doesn't see color. Yeah, he doesn't. <laughs> but, um, like, th- when they meet Dix again later on, because they go back to him to get more information, um, like, they have, like, a thing where, like, Bullet looks at him as, like, no more heroes, and then he's like, yep, no more heroes. Like, they're just reinforcing something that could have been just, like, a one-shot, like, oh. No, it's important. You need well, to know. It's called themes, Josh. This show has themes, and that's how you know it's art. <laughs> Feels more like somebody just put a post-it note on my face. That's art, dude. <laughs> it's not art. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, like I said, the goat's an interesting character. 
I like the idea of a mastermind behind the goat. I thought that was neat. Yeah. Is it... So, two things. Oh, wait. There was another subplot that I forgot, which is the Riddler is up to some shit. Oh, God. That this is awful. freaking thing. Oh, my God. So bad. I hate him. I hate the Riddler. He's really bad, and this is really bad, and it just stays bad. This doesn't go away. Sorry. Why are you making me watch that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing that to you. Or to myself, for that matter. Yeah, he's got a crush on... I don't know where her job is. I guess she runs the evidence locker. No, she runs the records room. Okay, she runs the records room. This woman named Kristen Kringle, which is a very comic booky name. Yes. Stanley wrote him himself. I don't is she she's not a character from the comics though, right? Not that I'm aware of. She's ha- she just happens to have an exceptionally comic book name. And he's just like awful. He's very overbearing and he doesn't know how to talk to her and he uh says a bunch of weird shit about her name to her and then he tries to reorganize the records room in a way that is rhizomatic and non-hierarchical. And that brings us to our word of the pod, which is lateral. Yeah, lateral. Because the way he wants to reorganize it is kind of like some caterpillar that's growing in a lateral form. And he says lateral like three times, like holding his hands out. And it's just real cringy. Yeah. I mean, it's going for, it's trying to make you uncomfortable. This is supposed to be uncomfortable. And boy, does it succeed. It feels unnecessary, but, like, you gotta give them props for achieving what they set out to achieve, which is to creep you out and... Make you hate him. I guess make you hate him, yeah. I don't know. Uh, when he first walks into that room and walks by the girl, he, like, really obviously tries to sniff her. Yeah. And that's, like, creepo move number one. Yeah. This is bad. And it goes into some weird places. Honestly, I've kind of forgotten about this subplot with him and Kringle until this episode, and I'm really not looking forward to talking about more of it. Because this is not even the worst that it gets. Oh, good. Because this is pretty bad. Um, And I also want to mention how they they, uh, dress her. So, like, the way that her outfit is, it's like she's a female Riddler because she's, like, dressed almost exactly like him. Yeah, they Like, the same kind of formalish wear, the same framed glasses just slightly different in color yeah they're both dressed like 1950s nerds but the thing is like to me it feels so on purpose like it's like to mirror him yeah like oh there's gonna be a thing between them it's like well shit we know that but i also kind of like that for because the whole crux of the riddler's character which we haven't really gotten a lot yet but they will actually do a good job of establishing later is that he is incredibly arrogant and narcissistic like that's the whole deal with the riddler is he is 100% convinced he's the smartest guy ever, and he needs to go out of his way to prove it by setting up all of these riddles. And I kind of like the idea that, like, yeah, if he was going to fall in love with someone, it would be somebody who's basically just him. Yeah. Or that he could see as him. Because actually, the only person the Riddler loves is himself. But he clearly tortures her, and she, like, outright says it. She's like, what did I do to deserve you bothering me like this? Yeah. The, the Riddler is the original incel. When you think about it. <sighs> Everything's bad about that. No, it's a it's a bad subplot. It's bad. The Riddler's bad. If he wasn't already on the bottom of the list, he would rocket down the list. But he is already <laughs> the bottom of the list, so he can't really do anything. Well, speaking of the list, I want to talk about again how this show is real in your face with our villains. Like he literally later on during an autopsy of one of the victims of the goat, he literally has a mug with a question mark on it. He also, uh, like, yeah, we know. 
We know he's the Riddler. But, like, the man likes question marks. Is he not allowed to like question marks until he becomes the Riddler? He couldn't have always been into question marks? I guess, but it's just, again, it's so in your face. But I thought what you were going to say was, he also, we actually get him asking a real riddle this time. Finally. He, he's As apparently... opposed to his, like, ridiculous, non-riddle questions that are just supposed to make people hate him. Yeah, well, they really want you to hate him. I don't know why, because it's not like, I don't think there's a major payoff for us hating him, but whatever. Yeah, in the uh, opening, when um, Blick arrives at the scene of the first new goat murder... He apparently has been pestering Bullock about that, like, goat, fox, chicken, corn on a raft riddle. Everybody knows what that is, right? Uh, yeah, but it's actually goat, wolf, cabbage. You're goat, wolf, cabbage. Thanks, man. Nicest thing you've ever said to me. Years of friendship. Yeah, it is. I'm very nice. That's Thanks for pointing that out. Uh, what else happens in this episode of God? Well, actually, I want to uh, kind of go into something that happened in the previous episode with Riddler that we, I don't think we mentioned. Um, because when the Viper drug was killing a street lady, like a prostitute, oh, in yeah. the, the bullpen, he like watches her bones hollow out and just like looks at her and says, fascinating. Yeah, he's super intrigued by all of the Viper stuff in the previous episode. And see, I kind of like that. Like, that's a good um, look into what his character could eventually become, is, like, him becoming fascinated by, like, this morbid stuff. But just him being the worst is not helpful. Uh, yeah, I guess. He is a weird place in the show where it's, like... Like, the Penguin's there for a reason. Like, he's a major character. He's important. He's got a connection to Gordon. Their stories parallel each other, and the things that happen in each of them affect each other. It's really not especially clear early on why the Riddler is even here. He's supposedly, like, the the top medical examiner for the cops. You know, but I mean, like, narratively, why is he here? I don't know. And it also, it's, like, weird because it's like, okay, well, he's there just because they were like, well, we need a cop science guy for them to get science stuff from. Why not make him the Riddler? Because that's the Batman villain he's known for being smart. But, like, they didn't do that in other situations. It's not like they go to a hat store and it's the Mad Hatter. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. Do you think that this his character would make more sense if he wasn't the Riddler and he was Jervis Tetch, the Mad Hatter? Actually, I think that would be great. Because, like, all that stuff with, like, the obsession with, like, a girl and being, like, a creepy stalker, that's, like, super established as part of the Mad Hatter's character. It's never really been a thing for the Riddler because he's so focused on himself. Yeah. Um, to me, it makes more sense that the Riddler would be like a top leading scientist in the city or something like that. Um, to start him off at this place where he's like huge and his like mind is like on the best. Like he's in that really arrogant position. Um, I actually really like the idea of Jervis Tetch being in the position that we have on the show right now because it would make more sense. Yeah, it would. It would also would have maybe made sense for him to be the person behind the goat, too. Yeah. Because his whole deal is mind control and brainwashing. But He's an underappreciated villain. In my big old Batman pitch that I have, if I ever get a chance to write Batman, the Mad Hatter is super duper important. Well, actually, one of my favorite uh, characters of him is in Gail Simone's Secret Six run. Yeah, he's great in that. Yeah. Series 6 is great overall. We've talked about it a couple times. That comic fucking rules. Read it if you haven't. It's a, it's about a ragtag team of supervillains trying to... Initially, they're trying to escape from slash get revenge on the secret society of supervillains. And then it just sort of becomes about them, like, 
trying to survive in the world and do jobs and make money and not get killed. And spoiler alert, a lot of them get killed. Also, spoiler, a lot of them shoot each other. There's they a lot of, they shoot each other a lot. Well, they're all supervillains. It's not like it's going to be fun, good times, everybody get along, jamboree. <laughs> anyway, um, I um, wanted to discuss um, the whole penguin storyline in this episode. Sure. Because it's creepy and weird. His mom bathes him. Yeah. In like a weird old-timey like metal bathtub. Which is in the middle of the room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she gives him the whole like uh, like again kudos to the actress who plays his mom. I think she's doing a fantastic job. It's just oh, a yes, weird great. subplot uh, to make Penguin have mommy issues. Um, but she like <laughs> before after accusing him of being uh, some demon hussy's purse. Yep. Which I assoom is old word slang for uh, cooch. <laughs> I guess uh, in, that's what it seems like. <laughs> then she bathes him and tells him how he's going to make something of himself, and everybody resents him, and he shouldn't be bullied, and as long as he doesn't break the law, he'll be okay. And it's like, <sighs> oh, and he tells her that he's he he's got a new best friend. His name is Jim Gordon, mm. and he's a policeman, but he still trusts him. And for some reason, he's like in the tub doing like uh, this thing with his hands, where he's like splashing the water. Like, he's making a fist and having the water come out of it. It's just, it's so weird. I like that. It's good business of, like, cool, yeah, he's bored in the tub. What's he going to do with his hands? Um, there's also, he says that he doesn't date. And then he's very fixated on Gordon. I feel like they're leaning very hard into, like, the penguin is gay. I'd be okay with that. Honestly. Yeah, it's. I think that's fine. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't think any orientation of any character in the Batman universe truly matters. Um, They're all pretty fluid. Yeah. Honestly, the worst Batman stories are the ones that are about him, his romantic life or him having sex. So, honestly, if we could just never bring Batman's sexuality up ever again, I would be 100% okay with that. Too late. Batman, saw his dick. Batman should not <laughs> fuck or eat. Too late. We, we already saw his penis. Yeah, Batman, again. Which is terrible. This, for some reason, podcast punching bag Brian Azzarello felt the need to show us Batman's dick. And then subsequently not show us Batman's dick because it was only a limited release where later on they put out comic books where they... Wait, the second printing doesn't have his dick in it? No. Because they, like, DC took a step back. They're like, oh, no, that's too edgy. Oh. we Okay, I guess, I mean, that's... The whole thing's stupid. Yes. Uh, but let's get back to the on-hand topic. And uh, I did want to kind of take the creeping of the Riddler and go back to uh, the creeping of Catwoman, who is now creeping on Bruce Wayne. And she breaks into his house and looks at all of his, his like, big conspiracy board, where he's, like, working out all the conspiracy about his parents' murder and the Arkham deal and there's like strings connecting pictures of the mayor to pictures of Falcone and stuff. And she steals a box which I don't think we know of any significance of the box yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has, she, she looks at Sleeping Bruce on the couch and like has this like smiling moment and it's just it's real weird. Sleeping Brucey. Cause like, they're kids. Yeah, but I mean kids can have crushes on each other. It's still weird. I guess. It would it would be weirder if one of them wasn't a kid. <laughs> Uh, I guess. Um, I At one point, when they're chasing down the goat and Jim's trying to get some more information from Bullock about his past history with it, 
Um, Bullock kind of shades shades away from that for a second because he's like trying to like this is clearly a tough case for him to relive. And he's mm-hmm. upset about it. Uh, yes, and he's at very one upset. point he says, My "Head's like a black box, Gordon. You don't open the black box." And but it's like that's the black box they're for. No, like, you don't open if them. A, if a plane goes down, that's that's what they're for. Mm, are they though? If you think about it, no, you're right. It doesn't make any sense. He also says, "Holy ghost on a bicycle." Yes, I have that in my <laughs> notes. So I don't understand like shows that do this where they have like the characters come to these realizations or like have these like exclamations that are just nonsense. Uh, the Walking Dead's a great example of this with his character Abraham, where he just says the most nonsense things ever. Is he? I don't know anything about that character. Wait, he's not... Is he in the Walking Dead comic? Yes. Which guy is he? <laughs> Big red-headed guy. Like, soldier-esque. Is, it, is the idea that he's just trying not to curse? In the comic books, they curse all the time. Like, the big thing with Negan is that he says fuck, like, every sentence. No, no, I mean, is that character specifically trying not to curse? No. Again, like, he curses in the comic books. They, like, do a weird thing with a show where, like, both him and Negan say, like, really weird shit... Just because they're trying to avoid cursing. And then in this show specifically, it is, again, they say random nonsense. I can't, have you ever, did you, have Holy you ever. Holy ghost on a bicycle. Holy ghost on a bicycle. You're like a, what is the thing? You're like a monkey riding a racehorse. <laughs> um, have you ever read or watched Tintin? Uh, no. There's a character in Tintin named Captain Haddock, who's like a salty sea dog captain, and Like, the comics, you know, they're supposed to be for kids to read. So they can't have him, like, curse like a sailor. So he just says a bunch of, like, nonsense. Very colorful nonsense when he's, when he, instead of cursing. And I kind of like the idea that Bullock is basically Captain Haddock. I mean, I just, in serious shows, it just really sets you off balance. It's, it's supposed to be serious. Like, that's the thing. Like, I don't. Sometimes. No, if I would call it serious, but it's definitely going for that serious tone where, like, murders are happening and it's a cop drama. Um, so, uh, but it just, it's weird. I think for shows that avoid trying to curse, The Good Place did it best with, uh, the holy forking shirt and everything mm-hmm. else. Uh, but. Totally stole that from Earthworld, but sure, fine. <laughs> But just like that, the, the comedy of it worked really well, and then in this show, just it just feels so out of place. But yeah, I I'm looking forward to hearing more of his exclamations and nonsense. Yeah. Um, what else happened? Uh, let's talk about uh, again one of the worst plot points of the show, Montoya. Our least favorite character. Barbara's better in this episode, though. Yes. Yeah, so uh, they have a kind of reunion of sorts between her and Gordon, where she's like trying to, because like the last time we saw her, they had like a sort of breaking up fight, mm-hmm. and then they're trying to make up, and Gordon's like, you know what, I am going to tell you everything, because like you know I should, even though he still again doesn't have a good reason to, because the one time he did, she screwed him over by calling the news. Yeah, but she does. I mean, she doesn't necessarily apologize for that, but she doesn't like express like. You can tell me the truth, and like it'll be easier, and we can help each other if we know both know what's going on, right? Which is fine, you know that's understandable. Uh, and then he's like, "Yeah, you're right. I should tell you everything." And then he does. At least it's assumed that he does. We don't see it, but like she knows stuff later on in the episode. Yeah. Uh, and then Montoya and Alan are out canvassing docks for uh, 
the witness to the shooting that she only knows about through an un un like truthful crime boss that she talked to once. And she literally only knows about it because of the word of the least trustworthy person in the entire city. Exactly. But it's weird because also he kind of doesn't lie. That's the thing that I really like about the Penguin in this show is like he's super manipulative and shady, but he almost never directly lies to anyone. Like he almost never just says a thing that isn't true. He just sort of like moves around the truth in ways that are convenient to him. And a lot of times just says what's actually going on. Like, I knew you had a problem with him just kind of telling Moroni that he stitched to the cops, but I feel like it works in the context of him being like, it's almost easier to just tell the truth all the time. You can, you don't need to be lying to people to manipulate them. Sure, but that's kind of not what I was talking about. So when they get, they, because oh, yeah. like Fish Mooney was the one that gave him the, Information and she's super not trustful. Oh yeah, Fishman did. Um, they go to the docks and find this one hobo who like points at a picture of Jim Gordon and says, "Yeah, that guy, ice cold, shot somebody." It's like again, sure, but it's real shaky evidence, and like they they build it as like, "Oh, that's the thing, that's the linchpin that's going to take Gordon down. Let's go arrest him right now." I guess the idea like, this will not hold up in court, even in like. A terrible system. I guess the... No, you're right. It, uh, it wasn't... I mean, it's one dude's account. And it's a, a hobo. Like, nobody would look favorably on, like, a hobo who's out there probably drinking his night away. Sure. Um, but I guess... It, I, I think the idea is more that it's like, once Gordon is arrested, that opens up more avenues of investigation. Then they can interrogate him directly about this, rather than just having ominous meetings and diners. It's just, again, it's, it feels real heavy-handed overall, and just makes me really not like Montoya as a detective, because she seems like a terrible detective. No, she sucks in this show. It's disappointing, because she's such a good character otherwise. I mean, in other mediums. Not, yeah. But yeah. Um, I do want to give the show props uh, for the fight scene um, with the goat towards the end, and uh, with Bullock, uh, just giving him that background. I think that was really well done. Mm-hmm. specifically i like the idea of the goat i like the idea of the therapist um again it feels clunky when she says that gotham wanted that you know that she wanted it wanted her to like go after it because it was so easy to hypnotize these people into being the goat and being the vigilante defender who murders rich people because we all want to eat the rich i mean i do i mean i just want to listen to that Aerosmith song it was real good how do you feel about the goat's mask which it, looks, is very deliberately looks like a Batman mask. It actually, like, looks like a precursor to the Scarecrow mask. But it's got the little, it's black, it's got the part where the mouth is open, it's got the little nubs that are clearly supposed to be the goat horns but look like the Batman ears. It does, it's got a, a ramshackle hand-sewn quality to it, which I will give you is is very reminiscent of, especially the Batman Begins take on the Scarecrow's mask. But I think it's more supposed to invoke Batman. It creates a weird thing, though, where it's like, is Batman the successor to the goat? Is he fulfilling the role? Like, is the goat another prototype for Batman in the way the balloon man was? Uh, I think that's what they're going for. 
But it's just, like, if you were in the city of Gotham, like that universe, and you were doing a history on the Batman, you referenced the balloon man and the spirit of the goat as the two vigilantes that inspired him. And it's just, it sounds so terrible. Also creates an interesting thing where it raises this question now in a universe where the goat exists before Batman. Does Batman choose his mask deliberately to look like the goat? Because, like, that would be a scary thing. If you were in Gotham, you probably would be afraid of the goat. If you were rich. I mean, I th- I think that's reaching. I think, uh, A, because I don't think Bruce ever sees the mask. And B, because it's a very specific audience for the goat, you know? Or, like, Batman will be targeting criminals. Yeah. And the goat was targeting just kids of rich people who presumably are innocent and haven't done anything. But then that means that it's just a coincidence that their masks end up looking really similar. Yeah, which sounds more the show's M.O. Yeah. I also like that Batman is... that Bat, He's not Batman yet. That when Bruce is like, oh, it's weird. He's a boy. He, there's so many boys in this show, though. This, Gotham is, a, is the city of boys. Well, no, Bruce is the boy, and then Jim Gordon is the boy scout. Yeah. and then different. Jim and Bullock are the boys. <laughs> I think that's just your term. <laughs> yeah, that's my term for them. They're, I don't think that's referenced in the show. <laughs> no, they don't ever call them that in the show, but they're the boys, as far as I'm concerned. And they are always in town. Um... No, what was I going to say? Oh, when he's like, oh, it's weird you would choose a goat. I like that he's like, what you should actually choose is a tiny furry animal that often gets stuck in your attic. People are not scared of goats, as far as I know. I mean, but goats do show up a lot in horror imagery. I mean, the goat is connected to the devil. There's Black Phillip and the witch. Actually, it's actually a common misconception that goats connect to the devil. Sheeps are more connected to the devil with ram horns. Yeah, but I'm just saying... Everybody thinks rams are goats, but they're not. They're sheep. I'm just saying, like, in the collective unconscious, people associate goats and the devil. I Yeah, they do a lot of goat sacrifices. I'll give you that. Yeah, and then he's got, sometimes he has the, the head of a goat and goat legs, and yeah, a lot of times it's the ram horns, but whatever. Are people afraid of, why are, are people afraid of bats? People are afraid of bats, right? Oh yeah, people are terrified of bats. I don't find bats scary. Me neither. What do you think's the scariest animal, Josh? Uh, personally, to me, like... Is it man? <laughs> I was going to say that, that fish that swims in your urethra. You Ooh, the kandiru? Yeah, that's scary. That is pretty scary. because I'm a dude. I feel like if I was a woman, I'd be scared of something else. Yeah, probably man, right? <laughs> yes, but let's not get into politics. Um, I think, like, sharks are pretty scary in their context. Like, if you're in the... A shark on land is not scary. Shark on land is not scary. Shark on land is, is basically a giant hot dog. I feel um, But, like, in the water, you're stuck. You're in the deep water. There's nothing around. There's a shark. Like, imagining, um, like, being in Quint's story from uh, Jaws. When he's talking about the shipwreck and the, the shark attacks and stuff. That shit's terrifying. I, I guess. Again, movies have the misconception of sharks where they're not actually as bad as, like, you see. There's... You're more likely to get killed by a cow. Or a dog. Well, I'm already a little bit afraid of dogs. Yeah, so dogs. Dogs is the answer. Dogs are (laughs) scary. Anyway. So why um, didn't he become dog man? Right? Yes, father. I shall become a dog. A dog jumps through his window and shatters it. And he's like, yes, father. I shall become a dog. (laughs) He's got a big fake tongue attached to his mask. (laughs) 
I hope the show goes in that direction, but it won't. No, uh, it won't. He's going to be Batman. So I, I, uh, I just want to retrace back to the ending where Kyle Pot shows up at a very convenient time. Uh, they are about to arrest Gordon and put him in a jail cell, and Essen's like trying to stop him. And then Gordon's trying to communicate with Bullock that he lied about shooting Penguin, but it didn't <laughs> work out. And uh, then Penguin just shows up at that exact moment. Like, he knew this was happening. He had every intention of doing this Kaiser Soze thing. Um, actually, not Kaiser Soze. It's more uh, Kevin Spacey's other character in Seven. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just, like, the convenience of it is just, like, so unreal. Like, there's no way to believe that like, that could ever happen. <laughs> I'm sorry that a dramatic thing happened in a sh- Television show, Josh. <laughs> it's just it's like it takes you out of it. It's like it's not good writing for something that happened at a dramatic moment to make the most. Imp- I don't. I think you're being unnecessarily hard on this particular part. I'm with you on a lot of your criticisms of Gotham, but this is like it's supposed to be like a big moment. Like, why wouldn't he show up then? It would be so much less deflating if it was like if he cut to the next day and he just like walked in around like one thirty in the afternoon and he's like, "Hey, I'm the Penguin." Is that what you want, Josh? <laughs> yes, that's what I want. <laughs> um, but again, the ending is crazy to this episode. Feels like a season ender. Feels like there'd be a whole break in between this, but no. It's nope. Just episode six. No breaks, man. The, the wheels are they keep rolling. They sure. There's do. no breaks on this train, and it's <laughs> headed straight for Batman Station. <laughs> uh, that's that's all I had on this episode. Uh, so it's it's actually um. Enjoyed this episode. I think the, the goat was definitely interesting. Um, so I, I think I agree with your sentiment. It's not quite Balloon Man, but it's in Balloon Man territory. Yeah, that's the high water mark is Balloon Man. And this season we'll get we will get at least one more near Balloon Man level episode. Well, until then, you can enjoy hearing us talk about how the Riddler is terrible. Yeah. So no, again, no new villains. There's a weird thing where like the the goat is not. A comics character. There neither is, is the therapist. Neither is the therapist. That is true. There is a like an assassin that wears a goat mask in the comics. He shows up in Batman Incorporated, I think. What was his name? I I he's I think he's just like a normal dude name, but he wears a goat mask when he's doing his murders. Hmm. Let me see. I, mean, I can look it up if you want. No, it's fine. I I uh, don't think it's enough to tie this goat character into the comics. So he's again remains off our. Comic book villain list. And I don't think the list changes again, just for anyone that wants to know. Uh, man, I really thought they were introducing... I guess this, this is later on in the show. They really speed up the rate at which they introduce comic book villains. Mm. Uh, so I think for a while, our list is going to stay pretty static. Because uh, I don't really foresee any of... <laughs> I don't really foresee the Riddler getting any better soon. Actually, I was hoping we could just like have him instead of being like number six on the list, just have him be number fifty on the list and just keep him down that low, no matter what. <laughs> no, I don't think we can do that. Uh, so number six is currently Edward Nigma, the terrible person, the Riddler, Riddler. the real creep, the original incel. Uh, number six is Poison Ivy, number aka five. number five. I'm sorry, is Poison Ivy, aka Ivy Pepper, the daughter of Mario Pepper. R.I.P. <laughs> the uh, worst stereotype name ever. Number four is uh, Catwoman, aka Selena Kyle. She's creeping around. Creeping episode, around. But really doesn't do that much. That doesn't make her better than Maroni. 
<laughs> uh, number three is Sal Maroney, who's not really in this episode. Nope. Uh, number two is Falcone, who's also not in this episode. And number one is our boy, Oswald Cobblepot, the Penguin. I feel like, again, like, him showing up. Like, are, are the show just, like, pulling the ripcord and being like, fuck it, the Penguin shows up at the, the station. We're not going to fuck around and have any of this stuff where they're trying to find him and he's agonizing about whether or not to help Gordon. No, he likes Gordon. He shows up. That's it. Like, that, I feel like, again, would if there were people above him, he would go higher. But he's already at the top. He's got nowhere else to go but up. I mean, he, he can't go any more up. He's already at the top. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Josh, do you love Gotham? No. Uh, do you hate Gotham? No! Of course not. Especially not after this episode. Okay. Well, with that being said, and our love of the Penguin continuing, um, we'll end this episode. So please join us again for the same bat time on the same bat podcast. Yep. <laughs>